You're listening to the On Fire Empire podcast, episode number 35. Well, hello, it's Kelly Bennett here, and welcome back to another episode of the On Fire Empire. A local businesswoman recently wrote to me, and let me read you what she said. Kelly, someone's been gossiping about me and making me look bad. She's giving me a bad reputation, and she's spreading misinformation in the business community. I think this all got started because of jealousy. Help. How do I overcome the damage? And how do I stand up for myself? You know, this is a really common problem, and I happen to hear about it all the time. I mean, you can consider lawsuits when you think about somebody gossiping and damaging your reputation. And quite frankly, this is often how I hear about these situations. People want to pick my legal brain about it. Well, that's when we will talk to folks about slander and libel. Slander and libel are two types of an overarching category called defamation. And I'm going to just give you a tiny little touch on the legal here, but that's not where we're going with the show. So defamation is the overall term for a false statement that causes damage to someone's reputation or damage to their property or their business or their overall profession. So you get defamed either by slander, and slander is just a fancy word for a verbal false statement, or by libel. Libel is the fancy word for a written false statement. I tend to remember it like this. Slander is what you say. Libel is literary for writing. Anyway, there's a lot of legal defenses to defamatory statements, and showing actual damage, well, that's often pretty darn challenging. But we're not going to talk about the legal aspects of this today. Nope. We're going to get into the real practical ways to overcome a damaged reputation, or what you think is a damaged reputation. Specifically, we're going to talk about three ways to deal with it. Three ways which apply to every situation imaginable. And most of the time when someone talks smack, it really doesn't rise to defamation. You know, the type you can sue for. But there is still something that you can do about it. So stay tuned because this is going to be good. Welcome to the On Fire Empire. Each week, seasoned divorce and business lawyer, mediator, CEO, and surf diva Kelly Bennett will help you discover strategies and smarter paths to big results. As you listen, you may ask yourself, how'd Kelly know I was going through that? It may feel like she's a fly on the wall of your life. She's intuitive, direct, and on point. Kelly brings the amazing lessons from her life's work to the table to set you up for a blazing bright future. We firmly believe lasting empires happen when well-rounded leaders achieve personal happiness, live out their calling, and develop meaningful relationships. Now it's time to hear from Kelly and her crew of experts. Learn some new strategies, challenge your way of thinking, and get juiced about igniting your empire of a lifetime. The information provided in this podcast is for general interest only and not intended as legal advice, nor does it create an attorney-client relationship between you and Kelly. And now, here's Kelly. All right, well, welcome back. I've got 
at the mic with me, my favorite co-host today, Jose Bono, my wunderkind producer. Hey, Jose. That's right. Hey, Kelly. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Well, Jose has got a lot of good input on this because a lot of you know him as our wonderful producer of the podcast, but Jose has, I don't know, how many years have you been in marketing, Jose? Just a few, maybe. <laughs> like more than a couple uh, decades, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once we but get over, counting, right? Right, over 20 years, we you, know, you started <laughs> no. when you were 12, right? Exactly. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> but Jose's got a really unique perspective from the marketing side, and it's an important perspective. So I want him to join the conversation as we talk about when you think your reputation has been damaged. And a lot of people get really upset at this. And Jose, over the years, how many times have you had clients when you were doing the marketing consulting and all that, that that brought this issue to you? Oh, all the time. You know, especially with everything and all things internet, whether it's Yelp or Facebook or any other social media outlets where people can leave their comments or or review your business. Mm -hmm. It's, (laughs) It's very common. And there's a business around managing your reputation online. So yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a big, big topic, and we get asked about this a lot. So let's jump into the three ways you can overcome what you perceive to be as, as a damaged reputation. And, and the first one is get real about the impact. And the question you ask is, has your reputation truly been damaged? You know where we're going with this, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so I like to tell people, Too often we give conflict and we give bullies way too much credit for their impact. What do you think about that, Jose? We do. And I know that it sometimes boils your blood when you read a bad comment or things like that. But but some companies will spend weeks and weeks just managing a reputation, responding to uh, poor reviews. It's almost never ending. And sometimes it doesn't even need to be handled that way. Right. I mean, because... In the long run, the damage assessment is what's super important. Is there really damage there? And once in a blue moon, I'll actually be, and Rachel, my associate attorney and daughter, will be sitting in a consultation with a prospective client who comes in and they may have seen two or three other lawyers in the community. And once in a blue moon, we'll hear almost like a report from the potential client that another lawyer has bad-mouthed us. And really, we've learned over time when we've gone down to this road of getting real about the impact to not get our panties in a twist, so to speak, over this, because the real damage, it's interesting. Because what really comes across is, first of all, the potential client still came to see us. So obviously, whatever was said didn't stop them from coming to see us. And you know, the other person that made the petty comment, that's where the damage is, not with us. It's so interesting. So I think sometimes we, you know, like the people you've seen who spend a lot of time trying to do damage control on something that's said on the internet. And, And that's the thing is that when the comment is made or whatever statements are being made about your business, especially online. And that's what I'll approach it from, obviously, Uh from that standpoint, is that more times than not, it's not worth responding to comments that have no real weight to them. Right. Well, and then there's the other side of it, which is people aren't thinking about us as much as we think they are. Right, right. I mean, (laughs) this kind of brought me back to my childhood because 
my parents would remind me of this all the time. You know what? Mm-hmm. The world isn't looking at you as much as you think they are. You know how when you're a teenager, you think the whole world is looking at you. And that's just the thing. People just aren't thinking about us as much as we believe. So, <laughs> and really under this, when we start to really quantify that perceived damage, come on, it's usually really minimal, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So let's throw a hypo out there, Jose, and sure. let's let's get real about the impact. Has your reputation really been damaged here? So let's take that example of there's another lawyer in town that a potential client of ours has gone to see, and that lawyer has said, oh, that Bennett firm, they're known for being the highest fee law firm in town. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's say that's the comment. Right. So let's go down the analysis. So the client's still sitting in the office. So has the reputation been damaged? Quite the contrary, may have been uh, <laughs> improved a bit. Right. And Why so, are they so high priced? Right. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Why is this other attorney telling me so? Right. So so there's that. Yeah. So there's the impact on that person. And then someone might say, well, what if that attorney is saying that? How many other people are they saying that to? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's drill down on the analysis. Okay, so who else are they saying that to? Maybe every client they meet? I doubt it. And how many Mm -hmm. potential clients are they meeting a month? Five, ten? Okay, well, why? In other words, you start drilling down as to the reasons why should I give that any merit or why should I worry about that? If other firms are talking about us, that's where we want to be anyway. That's an interesting perspective. Think about that. If we're being spoken of to 12 people, right? Right. In this firm for in, in the period of a month, and it doesn't work out with that attorney, where do you think they're going to go to? Yeah, that's true. I mean, why are they talking about us in the first place? Right. So the damage even to 12 people. And then the person, you know, the, somebody who's concerned about this kind of criticism might say, well, what if, what if they're talking about saying the same kinds of things to other, okay, well, who else would they say it to? Well, other attorneys in the community. All right, so what's the impact? I don't care. That's right. Right? Because the other attorneys in the community that we work with know different and know better based on their interactions with us and the good working relationships we develop. So assessment of that level, okay, who cares? Where else might they say it? At dinner parties? I don't, I mean, I can't imagine that people are thinking about us that much. Well, and I think, Jose, to the lady who wrote me, you know, worried about this issue, (laughs) you know, I would say a lot of times that's the reaction we get. It feels like a poke in the eye, right? And so we have kind of an emotional reaction to it. But when we get real about the impact and start drilling down, okay, who else? Who else are they telling? And what's the result of that to me as a professional or me personally? And when we start really drilling down, it kind of evaporates most of the time. That's right. That's absolutely right. All right. So the second way, so we've hit the first one right quick, as they say, but here's the second way to overcome a damaged reputation. Make an honest assessment about the situation. And what I mean is identify what the true root of the problem is. So in other words, is it gossip or is there some truth to that smack talk? Mm -hmm. So this is, why is an honest assessment so important? 
I mean, when we're looking at the root of the problem, it kind of hits on what you were saying a few minutes ago. Is there truth to it? Are we offering services, poor services at too high a price and people aren't getting their money's worth? If there's truth to it, well, then we have some deeper soul searching, I suppose. Exactly. So if you're assessing the root of the problem, if the person speaking poorly about the firm is another firm, well, clearly you don't give that any merit. Right. If anything, it should excite you and go, okay, well, right on. we're on the tip of their mind and <laughs> <laughs> we're bugging right. them, if anything. Well, and I think this kind of comes down to that old maxim, consider the source. Exactly. Right. So let me tell you a quick little story that came to mind. And <laughs> oh, this is going to be edgy because <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of gross. Anyway, <laughs> so here we go. So edgy and gross. Edgy and gross. Here we go. Okay. And of course, it's in the context of politics. Where else, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. So years ago, and I talk about this all the time, when I was on the city council for the city of Murrieta here in Southern California. I don't remember what the contentious issue was, but there was some issue. And of course, we would get all kinds of unsolicited feedback through emails and people coming to the council meetings and speaking Uh through the podium. And so one night, one of my colleagues, I was the only woman on the council, and one of my colleagues, his name was Alan Long. Alan was on with me. And Alan was a battalion chief for the city of Anaheim fire department at the time. That was his day job. And then he was on the city council. And... I remember Alan said to me right before a meeting started, he said, oh my gosh, Kelly, did you see that horrible email we got from some woman by the name of blah, blah, blah? I don't remember. And I said, no, I didn't see anything like that. And he said, oh my gosh, wait till you read it. I couldn't believe it. I said, well, what's the issue? And he said, well, we probably shouldn't take it seriously, but Honestly, she said she was making all these comments and she sent it to the whole city council and she said, and that Kelly Bennett with her perfectly manicured (laughs) fingernails had her hand so far up Alan Long's, you know what, blah, 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 meaning I was controlling Alan. I mean, like I said, it was gross and it was very, you know, unflattering. (laughs) And, and, and And Alan just was so upset and I looked at him, I said, stop it. I said, I don't really care. I'm not gonna read it. It means nothing to me. And he said, why aren't you going to read that? And it was consider the source because something like that, that's not even gossip. That was just ugly, mean-spirited. Yeah, it was trash talk. It was trash talk. It was just so, so, but at the same time, if there was something, a legitimate concern in an email like that, we'd have to make that honest assessment and, and figure out what the root of the problem is because we can't fix and take a close look at ourselves if we have something in it, right? Something Mm -hmm. to do with it. So anyway, so that's the second point. And again, because a lot of this stuff is just junk that's going on out there, when you do take an honest look in the mirror and say, do I have a role in this, right? It's going to be a different response or it allows you to dismiss it very quickly, kind of like I did with the lady who gave me such a compliment over my manicure. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. Did you respond and say, wait, thank you so much? I should have. I should have looked right into the cameras. I should have looked right in the camera during the council meeting and said to the lady who sent us the lovely email, no, no. And wave your hands in the air. Uh, (laughs) Wave my hands in the air. (laughs) All right. Well, our final point, number three, is all about the actual response to the trash talker. And we're going to hit that one hard right after the break. This episode of On Fire Empire is brought to you by Kelly Bennett's new book, Victim Is Not Your Name, 
remembering your true identity in the midst of life's challenges. Find out more at victimisnotyourname.com. That's victimisnotyourname.com. All right. So rolling into our third way to overcome a perceived damaged reputation. This one is really where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. So this one is respond to the problem in proportion to its roots. This is about to respond or not to respond. So this is right up your alley, Jose. And so let's let's hit yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's hit the first one. Look, if what has been said is true, own it. That's right. Yep. Why do we say own it? Because it's the fastest route to recovering from a damaged reputation. So Absolutely. let's go down that road. What does it look like to own it? Right. Well, going down that road, let's use Yelp and Facebook as examples. Reviews on Yelp and comments on Facebook, you know, responding to a negative review or a negative comment is something I recommend doing, especially when something is your fault. Responding to a negative comment or a negative review creates optics that you're responding and that you're owning the mistake and that you are looking to make it right for the customer or the client. Well, what if you've got something that is just ugly and hate-laced, but there is a kernel of truth in it? So let's say, I mean, this would never happen, but <laughs> let's say a former client of mine said, ah, oh, these people were just horrible and the attorneys were ugly and they smell, all you know, stupid <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, and on the first court appearance, my attorney was 30 minutes late. Uh-huh. Now, right. first of all, if I had an attorney that was 30 minutes late, they'd be fired. But right. let's assume that happened. So it's filled with you know junk, but there's a kernel of truth. And maybe that attorney was up all night with a sick baby mm-hmm. or whatever. So I would think, yeah, you got to respond to it. I mean, where's that line? Well, think about the optics from the outside looking in. If you do respond to say, well, I'm really sorry you had a poor experience with our service. I'm just using this right. as an example. Right. Being late is no excuse, which is why, you know, we strive to be there on time for all of our clients. Clearly, you know, this is court. You got to be there on time. You know, you could go into detail and explain why, but you don't need to do that because the optics from people on the outside is that, A, you've responded. B, you've fessed up to, yes, we relate. But if you give any merit to the, you know, comments that are you know, no. inappropriate. But don't you think, though, that there's a, a level, and we're, we'll hit this in just a second, but there's a level of authenticity and humility that you want to speak to. So if that was me responding to it, mm-hmm. it would, and of course, in that situation, we would have already explained to the client what had happened. But regardless, in that scenario, I would probably say, as you know, there was a personal emergency mm-hmm. that occurred, and we will endeavor to make it right with you. We'll talk offline. Right. But again, no one should experience that. They should be able to have faith in their lawyers. And for that, we sincerely apologize. And what do you think about that? Well, opening the channel of communication is key. So yes, you would say there was a personal issue, but also we're here to you know communicate with you. And make it right. That's correct. Yeah. That is also a key thing to 
keep in mind is the optics from that. It's like, well, well, they're willing to talk to this guy. Right. Right. And which it has to be true. Don't say that and then oh, <laughs> not well, return their phone no, calls. No, absolutely. What a jerk. <laughs> then you deserve the bad review. Anyway, right. well, so here's, I kind of outlined a couple of things of what owning it looks like. And it starts with yourself. And that first part there is ask the right questions of yourself. So mm-hmm. again, before you jump out there and, and be reactive, I would encourage to sit with it and and do a little bit of self-contemplation. And the first question to ask of yourself would be, what happened? Just assess exactly what happened. So in our scenario, I had a court appearance the next morning. I was up all night with a sick baby. Maybe I didn't set my alarm, whatever. But analyze what happened and write it down. Because something happens when you start analyzing it. It takes the emotions out of it and you just start being very factual. And then the next question to ask yourself is, okay, what will I do differently? So should that situation come up again, what would I do different if I had a family emergency in the night? Maybe it's call another attorney in the firm saying, can you just make sure you're down there for me? Or can you make sure you contact the client for me early in the morning? Whatever it would be. But when you kind of take a step back and look at that, what happened? What will I do differently? And then the third question to ask yourself is, who have I affected and how? So mm-hmm. that would be in that scenario, our client would have been panicked because anybody going down to a courthouse being there on their own, it's like they're going into a foreign country. Everybody's speaking these funny Absolutely. words. Yeah. We're talking code as lawyers, you know, a lot of Latin words thrown around and who knows what the heck the lawyers are talking about. It's scary and intimidating That's down right. there. Once you are able to go through that analysis Then you've got some real concrete things that pop out to you on how to make amends, I think, and own this. And then the next step would be, here's what owning it looks like, is apologize. That's right. Right? So say you're sorry and not, I'm sorry if you were afraid. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. That's not an apology. That's crap. That's right. What do you think? This is customer service. Yes. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. It's always customer service. Right. Right. So that conversation or that response has to go that route so that you're responding to your client or your customer. Right. Or if it's somebody who is saying something bad about you out in the community, maybe they're not even a client. Right. But did you have a hand in whatever they're complaining about? Those are the harder conversations because those are the interpersonal conflict, right? right? Things. All right. Listen to the harmed person and acknowledge how your conduct made them feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sometimes tough because we got to set our little bundle of hurt feelings and our defensiveness aside, right. right? So this is where I was talking about that humility comes into place. And then I guess as a mediator, I feel like I've, I've become an expert in the apology <laughs> because- because a lot of times we have conflicts. And in fact, I, mm-hmm. I talk about this in, in Victim Is Not Your Name, that book. We talk about this whole issue on apologies where a lot of times conflicts are people have hurt feelings more than they have lost dollars. And so they want apologies. And through mediating hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases over the years where somebody really wants an apology, I can't tell you how often hollow apologies come out. So this is, this is really important. Anyway, if you're apologizing to really make it effective, offer zero excuses, Mm -hmm. zero. This is the owning it thing. That's right. That's right. And then as you're apologizing, 
tell the person you've offended what you plan to do differently. So now we've got Jose's nodding at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's those are all the points to hit. And I could visualize all those negative responses that I've ever read for, you know, other businesses or other companies in the past on Yelp or online. And I can't tell you how many companies have responded poorly yes. because they didn't go that route and not only own up to it, but also they didn't say sorry. They didn't put themselves in the customer's position. Shoes, yeah. So when you read those responses, you can tell they're getting defensive. And there is a give and take when it comes to responding to this stuff. Again, it's what does it look like? to the rest of the viewing audience, because all BS aside, what everyone cares about is what are people going to read when they come to your Yelp listing Mm -hmm. or your your Facebook page and they read those comments. You want to put the best impression forward. And if your response apologizes, owns up to it, says what you're going to do to make it better, that's going to give you the best possible outcome for anyone reading that. Right. Well, because the bottom line is you can't fake sincerity. You can't. That's why the owning it piece, it's not just getting the right response from the perspective of what we think people want to hear. Yeah. I mean, we we can sniff that out in a, in a heartbeat. That's right. And if you can't do it, get somebody else to do it for you because right. <laughs> that's it. Well, and the, the last point I have on a truly effective apology is if it's appropriate, pay for the harm or the damage or offer a discount or do whatever it is you need to do within reason to make it right. Now, the the person who's out there bad-mouthing you and has a point, there are people you can never please. And so I'm not saying, you know, go to the extreme, but that is part of showing that you truly are sorry Mm -hmm. for the situation. So, well, how about if it's not true? If it's not true, my advice is get really strategic about Mm -hmm. whether to respond or not. So we've talked a lot about that. We've touched on that, you know, in it's been woven into what we've been talking about earlier. But here's the question. Are we dealing with a bully? Right? Well, yeah. So if what's not true has been said by a bully, I would say, okay, well, is this someone you have to work with in the future? I'm going to tell a little story on an attorney who's in our area, and I'm not going to say who it is, right? (laughs) Of course, I wouldn't do that. But there's somebody who shows up from time to time as our opposing counsel. He's our opposite number on some cases. Uh And he tends to be really like a bully in letters, which Uh we always say that's showboating for the client, Right. right? Okay. And so this was the first case this person had come on as our opposite number, first time we'd had him. And I get this letter and and we had some kind of a situation where we needed a hearing to be continued because we were out of town and something was going on. Anyway, that's just a general courtesy with advance notice that we afford each other, right? Mm -hmm. And I had asked about that. And so here comes this letter which said, yes, I'll agree to the continuance. However, before he said that, he just went down this road in this letter and he started talking smack about my husband, who he'd never met. And it it was weird. It was, yeah, it was weird. So what he said was, well, 
you know, I know that you and Rachel Bennett are the primary family law attorneys in there, but I've read your website and I know that your husband is also an attorney there. And according to your website, he is an expert in blah, blah, blah. And he starts reciting the website content back. And at the time, my husband was really ill, Mm -hmm. really sick. So I didn't take real kindly to this snotty letter. No, heck no. And that's ridiculous. (laughs) So it was bullying is what it was. And so what I chose to do was to pick up the phone. And by the way, this person was would never call. He he would hide behind letters. So I picked up the phone. That's easy to do. Yeah. And I, I called him up and I got patched through to him. I was not happy. And he picked up the phone, but he was on speaker. And he didn't tell me who else was in the room. And common courtesy is to say, hey, you know, I've got so-and-so here, or I'm on speaker, but it's just us in the room. None of that. And just the way the, you know, oh, hi, Kelly, how are you? Very overly informal. I didn't Mm -hmm. know this person very well. And it was quite obvious that somebody was in the room with him. Well, that was the wrong day to do this. I was mad. (laughs) I was mad. It garnered a fire response. I was very direct. And I said, Let's cut the crap. You will not talk about my husband this way. How dare you send me a letter that says this when you do not know anything about the circumstance. And next time you want to say things like that, you're going to be a man and pick up the phone and call me. And it got real quiet. It, It was not my best moment. I'm not like super proud of it. But at the same time, I learned a long time ago that when somebody is acting like a bully, Sometimes the best response is for you to stand up straight, look them straight in the eye, and call them on their crap. That's right. And it stops. And it did. And it did. And it did. Cowards hate the face-to-face. And so this is a technique that I would recommend. You got to be careful with it. But if you start getting this kind of stuff from someone who you might have to work with in the future... Every time you get this nonsense or you hear some nonsense going on from this person, pick up the phone or go see them in person because you know what you're teaching them? Every time you do this, you get to talk to me face to face. And that tends to stop it. So anyway, that's that's one way I deal with bullies. Yeah. What do you think? It's effective. (laughs) And that's the right way to deal with them. Well, as long as you're comfortable and you know you can hold your own. Well, there is that, but it is the right response. Well, I'll tell you, if you can send the message that every time you misbehave, you're going to talk to me in person and you're uncomfortable talking to me in person, then I'm going to make you uncomfortable every time because that's just not right. All right. Well, the other thing is, is this someone who's a hater in the general public? So we've talked about Yelp. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just get the haters and you're saying maybe respond to them. Well, it, when when you look at some of the responses, you're going to be able to gauge very quickly whether or not you should respond. And why wouldn't you encourage? So I know in the marketing world, somebody says something to one of your clients in the marketing world, and it's not a service complaint. It's just some nasty comment. And they want to respond because they're mad. Why do you encourage them to just leave it alone? There's nothing gained by responding to that. Everybody knows what a troll is. <laughs> and you just don't feed the troll. Well, so tell me, I mean, why do you say feed the troll? Will it oh. stop them from making those comments when you respond yeah. back to them? Of course. They'll keep responding. No, they will keep responding back with more stuff. You're just encouraging it. 
Because <laughs> they're getting attention. They're for getting it. the attention. Yeah. And that yeah. is that just it doesn't warrant a response. You're feeding a troll, so they oh they're you just keep feeding them. They're gonna keep coming back for more. Yeah. And as especially for that type of behavior, you just don't engage. Yeah. That. Yeah, that's true. It just keeps going. You know, sometimes and I, and I'll move into our very last portion here, but you know, in family law, we have this conversation on a pretty regular basis. Parents will come in, they've separated, and one parent is using the kids inappropriately to talk about the divorce and putting mm-hmm. the kids in the middle. And so, we'll often have a client say, "What do I tell my kid because their dad said I was doing this, that, and the other, and 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 my son has asked me, Mom, how come? And you know what our response is. Right. You know, our response is, you say, that is between your dad and I. Mm-hmm. Those are adult issues. It's okay. You don't have to worry about that. And you don't respond to it. And our clients inevitably say, well, I have to respond. They have to know. <laughs> <laughs> right? But what we tell them is, look, your children will ultimately grow up. And as they start to hit 14, 15, 16 years old, when they see your right behavior and your lack of bashing back, they'll figure out who the bad actor was in a heartbeat. Absolutely. You know? Yes. So I kind of think of this as the same way. If we got a hater out there that's putting all kinds of garbage out and you just don't respond, but you just behave properly and well... What does it do to their, I mean, you've seen it, right? In marketing, what happens to those people? How long does it take them to lose steam? Oh, it's almost immediate, really. Really? Yes. (laughs) It really is because they realize, oh, I've got nothing here. I'm going to move on to the next victim. Yeah. So they're they're trying Mm -hmm. to poke the bear and the bear's not responding. That's right. That is absolutely right. It happens all the time and no response, it just kills it right away. Well, how about if we've got someone who's not a hater, but they've said some unflattering things, but they just had misinformation? Mm -hmm. So what do you think about responding to that person under those circumstances? 100% you respond, but you respond with what we just talked about, which is just 100% honesty in approaching the response. By the way, if you're responding online, it's very different. You don't have to sit there and have a conversation yeah. in the comments field on Facebook. Don't don't get into that. It's not worth it. But it is worth it to communicate, say, I'd like, you know, call me and then have that conversation offline. Yeah. Yeah. But responding initially with a confirmation saying, "Yes, I hear you and these are good points. You make sense. We want to make it right." And right, that's it. right. Well, and and even on the person to person thing, this was similar. It wasn't somebody bad mouthing me out in the community, but it's another opposing counsel story. Someone who hadn't worked with me before, but he was hadn't hadn't even talked to me, but he was making some very unflattering comments and had some misinformation about me to his client, and his client was talking to my client, and then it's feeding back to me. So I actually made an appointment. And drove to his office, and his office was was in Riverside, about forty five mm. minutes away from my office. Right, so I made <laughs> so an you show up. I showed up, but I, I called in advance, made an appointment. They couldn't really say no. It was like, oh, mm. okay. So I went down there, and I just said, "Hey, you know, I wanted to introduce myself, put a face to the name." It was a very general response, and so we just 
started to get to know each other for a few minutes. And then I said, hey, you know, I heard this thing and I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. And it really, from that point on, I had a really beautiful working relationship with this attorney. He was a great attorney. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it's sort of like the phone call to the bully, but it's it's gentle, but it's direct. Right. And in this case, if you're if it's someone you're going to be working with, clearly you have to make it work out if possible. And that's the right approach is to have that conversation. And face-to-face is the way to go. It's the optimum, isn't it? It really is because you it's, a, it's the short path to success when it comes to a relationship with, well, in this case, you know, the other attorney or coworker. Right. Or anyone. Well, and okay, so so this idea, when I was thinking about this part of the podcast, Jose, it, this scene from The Godfather 2 came to mind. Okay. Uh-huh. So this was <laughs> so this was Al Pacino, you know, he was Michael Corleone. And here's the quote, and it's a very famous quote from the movie. Michael Corleone said, Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. And he was talking about how right. Don Corleone had his dad had taught him this. And he was speaking to someone else. I can't remember the character, but he said, look, they were talking about an enemy, right? Right. And he said, look, if he, the enemy, if he thinks I intervened for him, he's going to think his relationship with me is still good. That's what I want him to think. Okay, now that's a little, you know... (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a little manipulative, but okay, just hear me out. Then he says, I want him completely relaxed and confident in our friendship. Then I'll be able to find out who the traitor in my family was. (laughs) Now, I'm not suggesting that we're using people and, you know, being manipulative. But what I'm getting at here is that phrase, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. By the way, it's been attributed to a few different ancient writers. And I think Machiavelli is is the one that it most likely came from. Uh But Michael Corleone was, he was strategic in making an ally out of an enemy. That's right. And so I would say, remember that, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. And not so that you can be a user of people, but so you truly can convert them over to a friend because that becomes a true ally in the future. And life just gets better and we overcome those those dings to our reputation or the the smack talk that's going out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so would you exactly. agree with me? Oh, 100%. <laughs> so we got to get a little godfather on everyone, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. All right. So here's some parting thoughts. I think what we've been talking about in the second half here, Jose, is really this is about going counterculture, right? In the face of, I mean, anybody mm-hmm. can get ticked off and pop back at somebody. That's easy. That's the easy part. But the high road is going counterculture. One, it's facing the truth that's in the statement. And regardless of how true or untrue, go counterculture on them. And so this is about practicing uncommon kindness. That's right. I don't think we have enough of that in this world. We don't. And yet it gives the most optimal outcome. And it's not going to be easy, but it's what you want. Right. It's what everybody wants. So give them an uncommon response. Right. Because it's too easy to give the common response that the rest of the world does. But I think that's what will make you stand out from the pack. Mm-hmm. The other one on going counterculture is sometimes we're too hard on ourselves when this kind of stuff happens. So I would say practice. I really want to encourage you all. Practice gentleness towards yourself and the wrongdoer. 
instead of making them horribly the bad guy, or I'm so stupid, I shouldn't have done this, I wouldn't be in this position if I hadn't made a mistake, right? Practice gentleness. And we're going to get to the F word here, (laughs) (laughs) because this might include forgiveness, you know, I mean, Jose, I know you know it because you've you've read through this and helped me get this manuscript done and out to publication. But mm-hmm. in the, my new book, Victim Is Not Your Name, I talk about the importance of practicing gentleness with yourself, not blaming or shaming yourself in the midst of these kinds of challenges. How important do you think that is, Jose? It's extremely important, mainly because how are you going to get by every day constantly not giving yourself a break. Yeah. Not giving yourself a a little bit of a break and say, you know what, that's okay. And practicing that, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think oftentimes we're we're really hard on ourselves, especially when those hard kind of words happen and it hurts our feelings. Right. You know, it doesn't just hurt our reputation, which most of the time it's not as bad as you think, but it hurts our feelings. Mm -hmm. So the gentleness piece is really important. Yeah. Okay. Quick recap. You've got our top three ways of overcoming a damaged reputation, and those are, one, get real about the impact. Has your reputation truly been damaged? What's the second one, Jose? Number two is going to be make an honest assessment, and what is the true root of the problem? Yep. And then the third one is respond to the problem in proportion to its roots. Decide, is it wise to respond? Or not respond at all. That's absolutely right. Well, Jose, thanks for joining me at the mic today. Oh, yeah. It's it's always fun when we get the banter back and yeah, forth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can't wait for the next one. <laughs> well, friends, thank you for joining Jose and I today. If you know someone who's dealing with feelings of a damaged reputation and they're dealing with gossip, please be sure to share this episode. And you can send them the link at kellybennettesquire.com. That's kellybennettesq.com forward slash 035. That's the episode page. And you can get the show notes there as well. And friends, if you'd give us a shout out on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to podcasts, we'd super appreciate that because it helps us get the word out about the podcast here. And finally, as you heard earlier in the show, the release of Victim Is Not Your Name is just around the corner. I want you to check it out at victimisnotyournname.com. In the next episode, I am so excited. I am privileged to present an interview with a very prominent district attorney, Ivy Fitzpatrick. Ivy is a survivor and a thriver of Crohn's disease. So like I said, she's a top prosecutor here in Southern California, and she came from an amazing elite legal background. And Ivy shares with us in this podcast interview how she's successfully navigated life and a career despite a disease that delivers chronic pain. If you or someone you love is suffering from chronic pain or chronic disease, you won't want to miss this one. So friends, until next time, live with gusto and ignite your empire. Ciao.